0: Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this
1: is Richard Campbell.
0: And we're uh, in full swing of conference season here by the time this comes yeah, out. Yeah. Looking forward to going all over the world again with you,
1: my friend. Yeah, traveling around. That's part of the fun. Yeah. A funny conference season this year because we actually spent most of October at home. Yep. Where normally you're always on the road in October. But this year it's more November, December. Yep. Yep.
0: Should be good. Hey, let's just get right to it with Better Know a Framework. Awesome. <laughs> dude what do you got i think i've talked about this tool before we must have talked about it a million times it's responsinator.com what's a responsinator responsinator is a a website you plug in a url Mm -hmm. and then you can see what it looks like on all manner of devices oh
1: my goodness okay that's cool
0: yep i used it recently and i was just like yeah you know if i haven't talked about this one yet i should it's important right just ways
1: to look at what your what does your website look like on different form factors.
0: Plus it's a cool name.
1: You just like saying it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Responsinator. It's a
1: response-inator. I'm the
0: responsinator. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you don't have enough responsive web design. <laughs> All right.
0: That's what I got.
1: What do you got? Awesome. Hey, I grabbed a comment on our show, 1471, which we did back in August of 2017, or rather published then because it's actually from NDC Oslo. Right. And that was the serverless panel we did mm-hmm. with uh, Rob Connery and Lynn Langett and Matthias Branderweiner. And, uh, great conversation. You know, we went all over the map with that one. And some awesome people jumped on board too. Folks like Chris Love and, and Cod Pewter, who's a regular contributor to, to the comment session. But yeah, I, I want to read a comment, and admittedly it's a year old now from our friend Thomas Betts, who's been a long time listener. And I know we've talked Huge to fan. him many, many times over the year, but it's such, this is a great comment. I always like a good panel show, especially when the guests are comfortable poking fun at each other, which was part of the dynamic of that show. Mm. Uh, It's a great opportunity to hear some different perspectives on a new concept or technology. I'll even put up with a high-level buzzword-centric discussion. (laughs) However, I'm becoming more concerned when I hear people talking about serverless solutions as the great new thing. Anyone who's been in the industry for a while knows that no single technology is the right solution for every situation. For example, the panel even brought up the differences between C-sharp and F-sharp as each has different uses for which they are better applied. There are many benefits that come from being able to deploy individual functions and scale them out as needed as with all pay-as-you-go pricing models. But what are the trade-offs? The answer isn't always serverless. The answer is always, it depends. It
0: depends.
1: So what does it depend on? How easy or difficult is it to refactor 140 independent functions? How much money have you got? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Without adding additional code to every function, what monitoring and tracing is available? And more importantly, what new design patterns need to be adopted and which old ones need to be discarded? Is it a good idea to have functions calling functions or is it just a path to creating a distributed monolith? There's an interesting idea, distributed monolith. Hmm. Sounds like a good rock band name, actually. The distributed monolith. These and many other questions will be great to hear discussed in depth on future shows. Serverless functions seem to be one more tool in the toolbox for building a system but are not the only golden hammer that can or should be used. Yeah. I'm a, always appreciative of Thomas to call us out on, hey, you're, you're a little too on the hype train here. Yep, right. Because in my mind, function serverless has always been, and I thought we went into this on that particular panel, this idea of I have this existing, you know, monolithic set of services and I'm peeling them apart in some way. The ones that right. are struggling to scale would be my first candidates for sort of serverless approaches. But we're also seeing containerization being done that way, too. Because when you get a complex set of interactions between a bunch of classes, you may not want to peel them all out as separate functions. Sure. You may rather keep them together in a container that can be scaled as a unit rather than scaled individually. Right, right. But... You know, this is the nature of new tech and, and new approaches, and I'm sure our guest will jump on board with that. And Thomas, I don't know what .NET rocks swag you have or don't have, but I'm going <laughs> to offer you up. I, I hope he does. And if he doesn't, let's make sure he does. I've seen him in a t-shirt. Yeah, I know that. Definitely, definitely see him in the T-shirt. But I will offer you up a copy of Music to Code By. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at dotnetrocks.com or on Facebook. We publish every show to Facebook every twice a week even. Yeah. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code By.
0: And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. They look good on all our devices. <laughs> All right, and that brings us to our guest, and let me say this uh, carefully, Maxime Crouillet. Did I say it right? Yes, you say it right. All right. Uh, Maxime is a Microsoft Cloud Developer Advocate. He's been in the tech industry since the 2000s, and has been working with .NET as long as he can remember. A self-proclaimed master of all trades, he has set up VMs and SharePoint environments, built servers, and coded everything from desktop to server apps, but he truly found his passion around the web. Maxime was an independent consultant for three years before joining Microsoft. He also co-manages a local user group in Montreal. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. My first time on the show, actually, man. It's awesome. What's
2: up with that? Imagine that. Yeah. I've never been invited before. I don't know. What,
0: what, what was the hold up? You uh, never I'd, call. You never write. Yeah. I think it's more about <laughs> we, don't, we don't
1: care for you, Quebecois. Maybe that's <laughs> it. <laughs> so no. yes. oh, here we go because no, we, we go. had we had Guy Barre <laughs> on ages ago yeah and, oh, et, I remember. and Etienne Tremblay and uh so maybe it's just we don't like you Max maybe that's it I don't
0: know <laughs> oh man that's mean that would, Canadians are supposed that would be to be mean. so polite
1: Richard oh. that was just mean oh uh, we gotta you, you, if you can't tease Max who can you tease really
2: yeah we're yeah. We're, 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 te- we're teething like it's uh Every time I talk with uh, with Richard, it's always been a pleasure. Uh, we, we often met at the MVP Summit together, so that was always fun. Yeah, cool. I know.
1: and I think this is cool. one of those ones where we went around in a circle on this particular thing. I'm like, dude, that's a show. And he's like, yeah, okay. And then, then yeah. off it went. But it's one of those... You know, I can't think of everything. People pitch me all the time and, and we, you have that conversation. And you're like, you're right. That is a very specific subject. I love that serverless is maturing, that we're starting yeah. to think more broadly about what this actually means. That's one of the reasons I read Thomas's comment is it's like, we have to make sure all the ingredients are in place for this to be a real thing. I'd love your feedback, Max, on, on what you thought of Thomas's comment.
2: And I would agree. I mean, serverless has definitely evolved over the years. Uh, the first jokes that we had at the beginning was, well, serverless. Ha ha, I found the servers. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, serverless is not about, uh, like, no servers. Uh, I would quote Jeff Holland from the Functions team, as in, it's not about being without servers. It's caring about servers less. Yes. Right. Servers See less. The joke here? Yeah, yeah I get oh, that. Yeah. The other thing I that hit the me the other
1: the day pun. was realizing the original offering from Azure back in two thousand nine was the web role app role, dude. That was serverless. Like that's really what it was. You didn't have any responsibility for the operating system for any for any infrastructure at all. You just put your code up there and it scaled. And we didn't want it.
0: Yeah. Well, in the web app, you could think of it as serverless too. I mean, you don't yeah. you don't deal with servers. But mm-hmm. one of the modern definitions for serverless now is
2: it's really on what we call now the consumption model. Mm-hmm. Uh, Azure Functions itself right now is more like the, an application development model. As in, you're going to be building single individual functions and right. this is going to be the way you're going to de- be deploying it. But the consumption plan on Azure right now is the whole I- essence of serverless. And that model is basically, if I'm not using it, I'm not paying for it. Right. And that for me is the essence of serverless. So anything that is VM or uh, that is not, in that model, is not really serverless. It's just I'm reserving compute.
1: Yeah, dare we say just plumbing? I don't want to pay for plumbing. Just run mm, my yeah.
0: code. Exactly. So durable is an interesting adjective to go in front of functions because you know normally when something comes out that's new and it's durable it implies that what was before was not durable like the all-new durable tesla model s oh god (laughs) (laughs) now with durability
2: (laughs) (laughs) all right so the whole point of durable uh durable functions is is to, is to answer something that is hard to do when you're basically responding to events. Serverless is great at responding to different events, like, oh, something happened here, uh, a message was sent in a queue and I need to unpilot or, or anything along those lines where you need to respond quickly to events and they may come like one or two or a million all at the same time. So right. you need to be able to scale and serverless is excellent at at doing that but what if you want to chain those methods together Mm. there's patterns that are really really hard to do well that you will need to actually do the whole architecture work yourself but what if you could write that architecture just a c-sharp code and have azure handle it for you
0: -hmm. Okay,
2: that is where Drupal functions actually becomes insanely good. So there's a few patterns that are defined right now uh, that we're constantly talking about, which is the first one is chaining. So that means I want to call functions one, then I want to call functions two, and I want those functions to be called in order. Right. So that is totally reasonable. Mm -hmm. But there's also the the pattern called fan out and fan in. And that pattern literally means that I'm going to be taking a whole bunch of items that I want to have something to do with, and I'm going to be sending that to a multiple of functions. And then at that point, I don't really care in which order they're executed. I just want them to be executed all at the same time. Yeah. And once all of those have finished executing, I want to aggregate the result and send it out to, I don't know, a database or a storage or anywhere else to be saved. It seems very map reduce ish. Yes, it, it might look a lot map reduce ish, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of patterns like this that uh, of applications that do those kind of things. So mm-hmm. as soon as you're doing, like, I'm going to retrieve a list, I'm going to do a for each around it, and I'm going to save the result on anything. Right. If you're doing this with basic functions, uh, Azure Functions 2.0, you're going to be Either you're going to hope that you're not exceeding the execution time on our side and that all your functions is using 100% of the CPUs and the RAM that they can.
1: Mm -hmm. Otherwise,
2: you're just paying for for wait. I'm waiting for something to finish, which is not exactly fun. No, it's a waste of money. It's a total waste of money. So at that point, what do you do? And so one of of the fun things I did with that is I wanted to have a way to resolve URLs because URLs change and at some point, for example, a URL might be redirected or a domain might be dead. So I managed to resolve 175,000 of those URLs on a massive scale just for fun uh, in about, I think it's like five or seven minutes. And that was dribble in the cloud without me doing anything. Wow! It was pretty easy to understand. Uh, I could have probably done it better on my, on my machine alone, but that pattern itself can be more complex.
1: Okay. But I appreciate we're just running through these are the different options where this would make sense, right? Different patterns of where you'd want to use this.
2: Yeah. So one of the other pattern that is, um, that is interesting is once you start this, this workflow is how do you, how do you monitor that workflow? How do mm-hmm. you make sure that it works? And we have code that allows you to retrieve, um, we give you an endpoint where you can actually basically monitor how's that function r- running right now? Is it failed? Is it still running? Or c- can I just cancel it? Yeah, right. And what if a function requires, for example, a human intervention? Yeah. So what if I need to like, approve a workflow? So one of the examples that we we could M- muster is, uh, what if I am ordering something? So I will have to need uh, to check the inventory to make sure everything is doing fine. Mm-hmm. Then I will need to get the pricing, and then I will need to uh, start processing the order. But maybe someone needs to approve the order. So right. how do you write this workflow in serverless without writing too much architecture code? So if you're thinking about the simple... Uh, simple chaining. You're 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 thinking about queuing up messages because you don't want to be calling functions directly. So calling functions directly, whether it's Azure or AWS or anything, it's actually a bad pattern to use because you're you're depending on a function directly. What you want to do is do it through a messaging event so that you can basically unpile those messages and scale out. And Durable functions does all of that work for you. So you don't actually have to write this infrastructure code all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. So, because obviously there's is the way to solve this, we'd be immediately thinking about queues, heck you could write stuff into a database, but you're breaking out of the model here. So you've, what's happening now is that Azure functions are adding these models into Azure so that we can, we don't have to jump out.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you don't really need to think about Oh, okay. Now I need to create a queue because I want to have like I will need to process those hundred thousand elements, so I will need to queue them up. So right. I will need to create a queue. and Now I need to uh, have a way to unqueue this. What happens when there's an exception? Sure. So you yeah. will have you, you will you will write this kind of code like for weeks, and you sure. will spend weeks writing this code to make sure that it is durable. And we do that for you. Right. So that's power of durable functions, in my opinion, is um, this whole process becomes so much easier because you don't have configuration. Everything is
0: in code in front of you. And for me, it's magic. Well, that state problem was, was one of the reasons why, you know, we, when we talked to those guys on that panel, you know, that certain things don't allow themselves to be written without state. And uh, it, it it's always seemed like, okay, well, that's obviously not a good uh, fit for, for functions for right. serverless. So I would
2: totally agree unless we're talking, we're not talking about durable functions, then I would yeah, yeah. disagree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: This was bef- way before durable functions. So
2: let's do a little uh, dribble Functions deep dive, bring your tank of oxygen with you and be careful <laughs> okay. uh, so that it's <laughs> not pure oxygen because then it would be, well, just dangerous. Um, so basically at the heart of dribble Functions, um, when you start diving in, what you will see is this whole checkpoint and replay model. So each functions are either of two types. They're, they're still going to be... A, At the core, an Azure function that is serverless, infinitely scalable, that's not a problem. There's two basic functions. There's going to be the orchestrator functions, which will basically orchestrate the flow. And there's going to be activity functions, which will be in charge of actually executing the work. So the orchestrator and the activity functions will be highly tracked. So that means that when something starts, you will have the input and the output of that function that will be stored. And every time mm-hmm. something is moving forward, this whole state is, stays persisted. So that may end up with some funny behavior when you're debugging. For example, let's say that you're debugging an Azure Functions that has, well, durable functions, that has, I don't know, a few hundred elements, and you're stopping it in the middle of execution. So you're going to launch, taking a break, Enjoying the weekend, and then you come back on Monday. You try start to debug your application again, and everything start resuming exactly where you left off. Wow, and, yeah, that, that's confusing because yeah. you're like, I thought I stopped it, but no, 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 no. Everything has been checkpointed, and it knows that it still re- it still has I don't know fifty functions to execute, with those parameters and those and those outputs to give. The dribble the dribble functions will resume the orchestrator and. Resume that whole work,
0: and continue where it left off. So, how does that work with your orchestrator? Um, the sample I'm looking at the uh, on on the on the docs site just shows a, tri- a simple try catch in the orchestrator, calling you know four activities and uh, passing the result of one to the next one to the next one. But in, if you if you catch an exception how do you resume it? Do you just call the orchestrator again? So
2: here's a few things that are going to be a little bit fun. So when you're calling an activity, uh, when you're chaining it, I'm I'm assuming you're looking at a a chaining example where you have a weight on each and every one of them. So when you await those, um, the way that .NET works is when you await a, a, a task, if there was an exception that was thrown, it will retrow. So that's basically what's gonna happen here. Mm. So it will stop at the first exception and you will have to do this error handling yourself. If you're looking at another pattern that is fan out, fan in, then in this case we're not returning we're not awaiting those functions. Right. We're just calling it calling it up and storing it. Now how do you handle f- Exception in those cases. Polly, that's the interesting part. <laughs> Polly, <laughs> well, you're, you're actually half right because we do support uh, retries on those activity functions when you're dealing, for example, with um, flaky services that are from third parties that right. you don't really trust, but you want to make sure that everything works. So yeah, we, we we can retry, but the thing is, when you're going to call tasks that went all. This is where if there's a single exception in those tasks, well, it will serialize that exception in tro at that moment yeah. right? because that's how it works.
1: Yeah. And guys, I don't mean to interrupt right now, but we have to stop for a moment for this very important message. Hi, this is Richard. The Dev Intersection Fall Show this year will be December 3rd to 6th in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand Hotel. The lineup is awesome. Scott Guthrie, Scott Hanselman, Scott Hunter. Yes, all the Scots, but also a ton of great industry speakers for some insight on what's coming up in the world of .NET. You know, Core 3 is bringing client technology like WinForms and WPF into play. Could it be time to migrate your existing desktop apps to this new technology? Come learn more at Dev Intersection, December 3rd to 6th in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. Go to devintersection.com to register and use the code .NETROCKS to get a discount. And we're back. It's Richard Campbell, Carl Franklin, talking on .NET Rocks to our friend Maxime Roulet. Nasty. Hey, yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. Yeah, not, bad you know, not as good as mine. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is a Canadian thing. We're, we're gonna have to give up I, I you know You're gonna have you, to give up points. See who does it better. Uh yeah, we could go back and forth on that one. But it's not actually the subject. This is very cool stuff, <laughs> right? talk at durable functions. It's just thinking through when you have a dependency and when you don't have a dependency. And actually, I want to poke back a little bit because we were talking about the billing side of this as well. When you're talking about function chaining, so you have a dependency yeah. on... you Function two is not going to run until function one completes, right? Mm. So, effectively, yes. am, am I only being billed while each function's running? So, by using this, it'll
2: cost me less? Each function is going to be run exactly exactly once Mm -hmm. so since we're talking about a checkpoint and a replay system each activity functions will never be called more than once right so each activity functions are going to be built for their time of executions uh in the scenario what is going to be special however is the orchestrator function because the orchestrator function will need to orchestrate the whole thing
1: right so it's running the duration it's Mm -hmm. the nature of an orchestrator
2: our orchestration functions are what I call special, right. not in a bad way. <laughs> they, they there's are so special, many versions of special.
0: In,
2: <laughs> yeah, and a very specific version of special, as in they will be run and run and run again to monitor where we are oh, okay. in the process. So there's two things you need to know about orchestration functions is – First, they're going to be called over and over and over again. So right. you need to make sure that they are uh, deterministic. Mm-hmm. As in, don't do date time that now. This is not the time for that. Right, right. You will need to push that into an activity functions. And so when you take care of that, then that functions is just like any other function. So it will be built once per execution. So it may be a little bit higher than most, but it allows you to not be that function that will be run for, I don't know, an hour because it's how long it took for your workflow to be done right so instead what it's going to do it's going to start once queue up a bunch of functions and then resume execution when it notices there's a change
1: and i I admit we're arguing over pennies here i mean my experience functions cost very little but when you get millions of them running these efficiencies are going to start to matter
2: yes and when you're, when you're using Azure functions, um, for an API like, uh, Troy Hunt has done, mm-hmm. uh, basically custom, I think the cost of a coffee per month or something like right. that is like literally pennies. For have I been pwned? yeah have i been pwned it's, which is an excellent website it should should go on and try out and be scared because your email has probably probably already been pwned already yeah um, pretty much guaranteed. <laughs> do you <laughs> use the internet you've, life, been pwned, right? you've been
0: pwned you've been pwned the answer should be yes just you know, go to the <laughs> yeah. website it just says yes It'd be a lot fewer yes. functions if
1: it just said yes when you went there <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> so
2: so basically, you run that website on pennies, and that's literally it. Yeah, and yeah. what I'm proposing here with Dribble functions is not to run something as complex as what you run, but more like, how can you build your workflow and your company with orchestrator functions and split up the work? Because here's another thing that people maybe not don't understand initially about Dribble functions and orchestrators is... Orchestrator can orchestrate orchestrators, ah. so it's just like this. It's just like th- like this meme. Like, yo, Doug, I heard you like orchestration functions, so I put an orchestration function in your orchestration functions. <laughs> it's
0: orchestrators
2: <laughs> all the can, way down. <laughs> exactly. So oh, now imagine that you're you're having a team of people that are each working. Each team is working on their orchestrator, and the only thing you need to do is write a good master orchestrator function. And I think it kind of revolutionized the way we work in some ways. I'm not saying that it's like we reinvented the wheel and everything works. But I think it allows you to think about the way you develop software in a serverless environment in a totally different way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It it definitely broadens it. It's just – it's one of those things where I'm sitting back going, wow. I could do this and then I could do that. Like, we're back to this whole, hey, it's your foot. Which way would you like to shoot it off? We have a lot of choices. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> we'll never stop you from shooting your foot off. No. That's, and it's That's basically the problem. measure
1: of a valuable tool, right? It's got, it's got to be powerful enough that you could seriously harm yourself with it. Then it's probably valuable. If as, as someone presents me with a really safe tool, I, it, you immediately start feeling like these constraints hold me back from doing stuff I need to do.
2: So, do you want to hear how I shut myself into foot with dribble functions? Yes, yeah, I I do. definitely. <laughs> Bring it, man. Um, I, I, I get a collection of tweets saying, like, literally, thank you for breaking our stuff. So that, that's cool. <laughs> um, so here's here's the thing. So remember how we were talking about the checkpoint and replay, and how it stores the input and the output, right? Yeah. So what? Ha- and you were asking what happened when there's an exception that is thrown. Well, the exception becomes the output. Cool. All right. Now let's chain up 175,000 functions. <laughs> uh-huh. Let's have, I, I don't know, 5% fail. What could so go we're about wrong? at 8,000. <sighs> and the, it, the thing is that the orchestrator function is good. When it does come back, it will actually rehydrate the result right. from all those call activity async every time because it needs to know what happened. Right. Except that you have a thousand of them. So I was literally killing off Azure storage and... Oh, something you're running out of space. Like 20 minutes to, it
0: took two hours. Oh, like it no. It took literally
2: two hours exploding <laughs> in memory. Things were exploding left and right. Hey, did a little,
0: did a little bell go off on Scott Guthrie's desk? Huh, Azure has slowed to a crawl.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's Max's no What the... Yeah, and that's not all, because the orchestrator, when it has a wait task done at all, if you don't do a try-catch on that, it will throw. So that whole exception stack trace will become an aggregate exception of all the other exceptions. Wow. And that will also be stored as the result. <laughs> that's so, a, Dude, that's a big error message. You to terminate
0: terminator.
2: <laughs> so I was running at 143 instances. And, yeah, I don't know if a, p- a page went off somewhere, but <laughs> I hope not.
0: <laughs> hey, Richard.
1: Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, it must be that happy time again.
0: Yeah, it's time to wire up the orchestrator response-inator terminator in our construction <laughs> which was called with our ILC container
1: <laughs> Pretty sure you started with a response oh, today,
0: too. All right. It's actually time to give away a $200 Amazon gift card. Compliments of Progress Telerik to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you about the most comprehensive developer toolkit for building modern apps on the market today, <laughs> Telerik DevCraft. With more than 1,100 Telerik .NET, and Kendo UI JavaScript components and controls, you can easily build modern, high-performant web, mobile, and desktop apps as well as chatbots. The toolset also includes reporting solutions, automated testing, and productivity tools, and comes with a range of support options. New this year is a free online training program for all license holders. With this, alongside thousands of demos, source code, comprehensive docs, and a full assortment of Visual Studio templates, you'll be up and running with the Progress Telerik and Kendo UI tools in no time. Download a free 30-day trial today at Telerik.com slash download.
1: All right, buddy. Who's our winner?
0: Today's winner is Sean Farmar.
1: Congratulations, Sean. Golf clap for you.
0: Golf clap for Sean. Sorry if I butchered your last name, Sean. Uh, And just for being a member of the fan club, Sean just won a $200 Amazon gift card from Progress Telerik. And if you want to join the fan club and take a shot at winning some great stuff, all you got to do is go to dotnetrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and you're in the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the Rocks fan club. But you're not going to win unless you sign up, so do it now. Uh, we also like to ask our guest, Maxime. If you had five thousand dollars to spend on technology, what would you buy?
2: So I have this idea, and the thing is, I'm Canadian, and I looked at the price, Mm -hmm. and the Surface Studio would be the one, except that he said five thousand, and the the pimped out version is six thousand Canadian, but forty eight hundred US. There you go. I went. Exactly. So Surface Studio is just this gorgeous device oh, that it's uh, so I would have probably zero use for, yeah. but it's just I, I I need it. Yeah, I just need that
0: display. I want that display. Yeah, I I want just the display because <laughs> the yeah. the graphics isn't the best in it. I mean, it it is okay, but it's not great. Yeah, and uh, I ended up going with a with an all in one from uh, ASUS. Yeah. You guys gave away some some stuff. Can I can I give you two links
2: sure. for your for for your team members? I mean, let's let's call it like a giveaway or whatever. It's not not that big. Yeah, sure. But just to keep up on on, on the subject, if people want to go and uh, on aka slash serverless mixtape. Yes, I made you a mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is basically just a YouTube playlist of the most relevant stuff about uh Azure Functions, and Dribble Functions. It's nothing more than nine videos, so it's super easy. And if people want to try something uh, along the samples that is not the other world, and want something that is more realistic, uh, I have a aka.ms slash Dribble Functions sample that is uh, amazing because it works with GitHub. Great. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. My
1: pleasure. Yeah, that's good stuff. I'll include those in the show notes for sure. Let's uh, dive back into this. Where do we go from here? We, I don't think we've even gotten through all of the different architectural models. I mean, you spent a lot of time just on, on chaining and fan out because they're, I mean, obviously, there's like one's got dependencies, one doesn't have dependencies. Just go as fast as you can.
2: So those are the most basic patterns sure. that will lead you to Furtis. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, you can go on our docs, like docs.microsoft.com slash Azure slash Azure functions, and you can learn a little bit more about this. But if you're heading out to the samples that uh, that I provided to you guys for um, the example on GitHub, right. uh, it's basically what I did with the different things that I broke. Uh, it's just a slimmed down version. So right. that will allow you to do the, the work. And understand a little bit of how things work because uh, I'm using a little bit of chaining here, a little bit of fan out here, and that gives you a real example of of how things work. Sure. Um, if you want to get yep. further, um, I will provide you you guys a few links from the show notes where you will be able to read about um the different patterns and how they are implemented both both in C sharp and in Node. Right. Of course, we are
1: relatively language agnostic here, right? Like it's mm. it's it's Azure. Yeah. It doesn't care what language you're in.
2: Yeah. So basically, uh, Azure Functions released on 2.0 like, very recently. I think it's like at Ignite. Um, Dribble Function has been GA since May. So it's been like way longer. Okay. Uh, so yes, it was a GA product on on a preview product, but um, now everything is GA, so you can go run .NET on durable functions, both in Azure Function 1.0 and 2.0 with .NET Core. And if you want to run on Node, uh, Node is still in preview, so there are still a few things that might not be working quite yet. Okay. But it is getting better, and the whole scenario of chaining and fan out, fan in actually is enabled on, um, on Drupal functions for JavaScript. Hmm. Yeah, and we are
1: talking about scenarios where some of this stuff might run for days, right? Is that a reasonable scenario here, or are we are we still talking minutes?
2: Oh no, no, no. It can it can be days, weeks. It's it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it, it is made also for a long running process. So let's take the scenario where uh, I think it's this pattern called human interaction, right? Where you basically start an approval process and you're you want to wait right. until somebody... Give someone a couple of days to decide, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So normally you would not want to wait for a single person to approve a scenario. So you would want to have kind of um, an expiry date mm-hmm. on your on your wait time. Because what what happened after five days to that things were supposed to ship, well, maybe it's not relevant anymore. Right. Um, but basically you can wait days and you're only going to be billed when that process runs, right? And we know not to run anything like that until we're ready. And that happens in two ways. So when you want to have a human interaction, what's going to happen is either we're going to wait and we know exactly when it's going to be expiring. So we know when to run that function again, or what's going to happen is somebody's going to submit an event for dribble functions to, to listen to, you, which will be just, uh, internally a queue that a message in the queue that will be that will be logged and unpiled, so it's still just responding to the basic building blocks of serverless right it's queuing messages and responding to this, and that's it
0: mm-hmm. What are some of the other patterns that you can uh do with durable functions
2: so the patterns that are for me the most interesting is not when you're talking about a single pattern like when you see in the code right now it's more like what happens when you start mixing them up together yeah, hybrids hybrids you you can call yourself you can do eternal orchestration you can just do a single orchestration uh, what about fanning out and calling sub orchestration as a fan out yeah that's another completely another valid scenario mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a few things that you can do for example let's take a simple uh, example where you're you're responding to uh, what we call a blob trigger. So a new file is uploaded in your storage account and you want to trigger uh, an Azure functions. So what you do instead of just starting a sync a classic function, you start a dribble function and you can have something like, um, face API from Azure that will be able to say, say, is there anyone in that picture that ju- was just uploaded? And if, it, if there is, well, you can had it somewhere in a different queue or you can process something else in that dribble function. So you can start mixing them up. It doesn't have to be a single HTTP event. Everything can be started from any other kind of triggers. And a logic app plays really well into this, doesn't it? Oh yeah. And so now the question always become, what's the difference between dribble functions and logic apps? And we do have a docs on this. I agree. Um, for me it's all about how much control do you want to have over the code? Mm, right. And how much do you want to play in code or in a designer? Yeah. So logic apps have a ton of connectors that are already built for you. You don't have to do anything. It's already there. And you can, you can even call Azure functions out of the logic app. So that's not preventing anything out of sure. this. So it's a different programming model, but it's basically the same, um, same functionality that you can have.
0: I wonder how much that conversation that we had on that panel w- would be different if Azure Functions were in there. I mean, I'm, you know, you, it just turns serverless on its head, right? And now, now you have state, you have this organization, you have all the uh, the over orchestration, and, and now it begs the question, you know, what are some of those app scenarios? And we've been talking about a few of them, but what are some of those, you know, scenarios that? we wouldn't have used functions for before that now we can. I agree. It's, it
2: turns things on its head and there's a ton of scenarios now that you can think about, uh, because now you don't have to think about the whole orchestration of creating cues and events and ensuring that there's only one consumer of that message. What happens when there is an exception and all of this, uh, I called it infrastructure code. Yeah, plumbing. Uh, yeah, the plumbing, it becomes, it becomes heavy and it stops you from mm. just coding something real quick mm. and having, uh, having success with that. And how much of that, of those problems that are just lying around right now and that don't have this orchestration power could be solved in a matter of an hour and just, Released. Yeah, just put it out there. I also wonder if this is in the path for an
1: existing app using functions that that is ready to go to a next level of sophistication, and you're looking at a rewrite. And then it's like, oh, I don't need to rewrite this. I just have to use the orchestrator, and off we go. Like these things just work for me. Like I, I could see both scenarios. You I mean you guys aren't doing any voodoo here? I'm sure you're using queues and stuff under the hood. I just don't have
2: to own them. Yeah, exactly. So we're, d- I- I talked a little bit earlier that it was magic, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, It is not magic. I mean, we, we went a little bit deep dive and we understood that it's just queues in the back. Yep. It's just, uh, we're just storing elements in storage, just like the input and the output. We're using both queues uh, and blobs and we even add tables to that. There's, there's no magic. It's mm-hmm. just, we're taking the plumbing that you would have to write anyway for those kinds of complex scenarios. And we're letting you just write this scenario by yourself in code without having to understand like what's going on behind it. You just write the code and we'll take care of hooking up everything for you. Yeah, I I totally appreciate that. Like I said, it's just... It's just plumbing code I'd never
1: wanted to own in the first place. I would argue it will actually cost me less to use your durable architecture because you're only billing me for the functions I run than it would be for me to roll this myself. And I now have to pay for the queues and the handlers and the orchestrator
2: myself. Mm. Mm. So a lot of those things that for me in terms of cost, the thing that I will see, it's not even the queues and stuff that is uh, – the, the problem is this – um, this code that is doing this whole infrastructure, the plumbing, you have to maintain it, right? I mean, functions and storage is basically, it's basically cheap. It's like cents. Yeah. So you don't really have to care about that. What, what what people care about is how long does that developer that I that I hired is working on plumbing, and yeah. we're just basically taking that question out of the scenario completely we're just like
0: dude just write code mm-hmm. yeah yeah That's just,
1: it. just write the work and you know declare the architecture you need
0: let the code addicts do what they like to do
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> Ooh, somebody's traveling tra- my
0: <laughs> billy hollis right here there
1: It you. is right there he just showed up i heard billy
2: <laughs> yeah i some more of them orchestrators yes we do yeah
1: the big strength here is that when you need to scale this is yeah. what functions
2: were built for. It's just scale, scale, scale. Yeah, and it's still serverless because you don't pay for what you don't use. Right. So what
1: about instrumentation diagnostics? Like when I am ha- having an unexpected set of behaviors with functions, how do I figure out what's going on?
2: So that's always a fun part because <laughs> uh, functions are going to be Uh, exploding left and right and i'm not talking about just about about azure functions i'm talking about any other serverless functions you're going to be using somewhere somewhere down the line somebody's going to write code that will not handle an exception Mm -hmm. It's going to explode Mm -hmm. yeah how do you know what happened right and we automatically connect um application inside to your application if you want us to right um and we do provide a view in Application inside that is called uh, Live Metric Stream, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically allows you to see, in a real time, the flow of execution of... Everything that is going on. So you will see the amount of instances that we're provisioning for you. You will not know the specs of those machines, but you will know there's 100 machine, 50 machine or two machines that are being provisioned for you. And you will see the events. So if you're, so if you're writing to the console, you will see those event pop up. Hmm. If you have exceptions, they it, it will be, they will be shown there. Um, and you will be able to understand everything that is going on at that point. And if you really want to get deeper, uh, the whole workflow is available in your storage account. So you will be able to see that function with that input resulted with that output. And that point, it could be an exception. So it will be able for you to replay those kind of things.
1: Nice. So it's all visible there. But App Insight sounds like that's the tool you want to use to oh, understand yeah. the workflow that's going on.
2: Oh yeah, uh, application insight is it, it's as magic for me as as dribble Function is. You you will have information more than you need to debug your problem, and you can tweak that in that that kind of logging information up and down. But right. Basically, I just leave it to the default. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you leave it to that default, you will see uh, dribble Functions, the framework. Uh, the exceptions that it comes out of that framework, and you will see, you will see it that it will try to, I don't know, write to blob storage and have a failure. Right. And it will retry. So all those kind of blobbing that you were like, oh, I, I didn't have to write that, but oh, look at that exception, and Dribble function handled it anyway, and your code still works fine. You know, oh, that's how much work is happening in the back, <laughs> and a lot of people don't know, but there's a lot of storage hairs that that are happening just. Once in a while and it happens on every provider. Right. And you need to be able to handle those errors. Mm. You anything that can be f- recovered with a retry in a, yeah. in a certain amount of time. Exactly. So yeah. you, you, you need to be able to do those kind of things. And uh I love that you're you're able to visualize the execution of your functions um through that tool. Uh I would love to get a visual view of my functions at some point. Yeah. That is, no, no, I'd love to see a wish list. A,
1: a big fan out, right? Like a 30, 40, oh, yeah. 50, 100 node fan out. Just see, all right, this orchestrator fired off. And then there was this fan out. And then there was this
2: consolidation afterwards as everything finished up. So, if anyone in the community want to build it, um, <laughs> the, the, chi- the checkpoint and replay pattern is stored in storage. So, basically, you have all the information you need to build it. Wow. It's just that. The Azure Functions team right now is, uh, is busy on, well, other things. developing other features. Yeah. And this is, is that the main things that you want to work on instead of, uh, I don't know, performance improvement, cold start improvement, yeah. stuff like that. It's all about priorities.
1: Yeah, this responsible priority thing you're doing here, Max, is going to end in tears. I want blinky lights. I'm here for the <laughs> blinky lights. Give me more blinky lights. Uh. <laughs>
2: More blinky lights. More yes. blinky lights,
1: please. Yes, lots of blinky lights. No, I totally appreciate it. All the data is there. It's just how do you visualize it.
0: This is yep. all great stuff. Um, do you do you have a blog or a place that we can point people to for your resource? Uh, so um, my
2: blog is blog.myfullname.com. So Um I am a cloud developer advocate, so I will do most of my things. Uh, most likely, you will see me on different teams' blog or on Twitter. So I will provide all those links to you guys, so you can leave it in the show notes. Awesome. Sure. But uh, the two ones that I really want to give is, again, my uh, my mixtape, aka.ms slash serverless mixtape, mm. and the uh, aka.ms slash Dribble function sample uh, which will allow you to build a simple orchestrator centered around GitHub and retrieving uh, open open issue count.
0: Great. Excellent. Maxime, thank you so much for spending this time with us. This is cool stuff. Been a pleasure, man. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.